0: Hey, folks, we're back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 102.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Uh, So happy to have a very special guest in the house, Mr. Ben Elman. Hello,
0: Uh, hello, hello. An old uh, acquaintance. Many years. From,
1: uh, uh, shoot, man. We, lump days, maybe. Lump days for Jeff.
0: Yeah, yeah, for
1: Definitely. sure. Yeah. Do we well, go that, further yeah. Back? Yeah. You predated me. Yeah. I was not a lump person. I was not in New Orleans yet.
0: That That's but, the first time I probably met and was aware of you ever was lump, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you move to New Orleans like right around that time?
2: God, uh... Nah, well, earlier. I came to New Orleans in 89. And so 89. Lump wow. was probably okay. like, what, 92, 93 right, right in that world. That's right. Yep. Shortly after. Wow. And yeah. probably the greatest band I've ever been in and ever will be in. Are you serious? I think so. I always say that. Oh, it was an incredible band. You guys rocked it was a that. Moment. I was love a moment. the fact that you can yeah. find it online, too. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff you can see, which it is was it, was. it was, you know, from the more. beginning. Yeah. You know? In a van, all over the country, we played at CBGB's. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hundred dollars and a pizza across the country. (laughs) Mike Joseph. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was. It was just like
0: yeah. It it was was, just a ripping hot band. They were they were terrific. You guys were terrific. Thank you. And uh, and I, along with Paul Grass and you know the seeds of what eventually became Egg Yolk Jubilee, loved to go to those shows regularly. You know, I mean, all the way up until the end. And yeah. uh, and th- for those of uh, you who are listening right now who don't know Ben Elman is the saxophonist for Galactic, and amongst other things as well mm-hmm. producer and arranger I suppose we could say yes, as well right I would yeah. Say that, yeah 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 exactly music. and uh, so and kind of in a way uh, more specifically. We're having you here on the show right now because you produced Walter Wolfman, Washington's new yeah. uh, kind of sort of solo record. It's not really a solo record, but... Um,
2: it's Sons it's Roadmasters, which is sort of a new thing for him. I mean, he hasn't made an album without the Roadmasters in a long time. Right. So that, that's kind of the big one. But also very sparse and sort of very in, intimate. And
0: so it feels like a solo record in a way, you know? I heard one of the cuts, the cut that got put out, what, two weeks ago or something like that?
2: Yeah, maybe,
0: yeah. I don't know which one, I can't remember which one it was.
2: Well, they had a Irma oh, Thomas with track With the one. Irma Thomas, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Which is, it's actually, terrific. the Develas most full band. Irma Thomas fan. Are you a big Irma Thomas fan? For people oh, yeah. who don't understand.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their yeah. gravity yeah. and depth oh, wow. and
0: breadth yeah.
1: of how much you like Irma Thomas Well, is pretty off the charts. Well, let me just say. In a say, great way. Yes. In the best way, I'll just say.
0: All, you know. I tell people this all the time, in addition to Lump, like most of my musical influences come from right here in New Orleans, you know, so, and, and that includes all the Rhythm and Blues cats, you know, yeah. The, the, yeah, exactly, old timers, as people say, but, um, but that, you know, that music is so terrific to I, me, Irma. and I love all of those people. Yeah.
2: She is still just amazing. Yeah, I saw her play last weekend at a
0: private party, actually, and just like still blown away. Like, really, she I know. So good. Really. Yeah, yeah, she's her terrific. Voice is amazing still. She's terrific. I'm, I, I, I uh, had the opportunity to make like a local television spot for Cox with her uh, several years ago, and I was like almost so like I could meet. The biggest, like I don't know who, pick pick somebody. Jean Claude Van Damme, right. you know, or something like ridiculous. <laughs> I know that's absurd. You know, and I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know, but Irma Thomas, yeah. I'm, I'm like, ah, habba, habba, habba 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 uh, yeah. Habba. You know, like
1: I met Huey Lewis at the Maple Leaf. I was like, I don't care about you. You know,
0: poor Huey Lewis, man. I was not starstruck. Yeah, struck. I don't want to talk about when that. <laughs> happened, am I just yes? Really? Yeah.
1: I have no idea. It was just
0: completely that power of love. It's the power, of it's love. The power of love. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, what what was it that uh, that drove you to get involved with this project with Walter? Um, because because just from my vantage point, mm-hmm. um, it's it's so it's such a, a New Orleans centric kind of thing. Um, n- not necessarily that many people outside of the confines of New Orleans know about the greatness yeah. of Walter Wolfman Washington. And um, part of the problem, and that's part of the problem, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. if, I mean, for me, I see very obviously why. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're just talking about great musicians um, in New Orleans that deserve a nod um, yeah. after long careers, um, but uh, but but what drove that that process?
2: Man, I mean, you know, it starts uh, it starts with his his weekly that he had at the Maple Leaf Bar, you know, on Saturdays. I don't know if you remember when he was doing Saturdays sure. back then. It was in the 90s and his band was just, it was late 80s and 90s because when I first moved to New Orleans, he was one of the first acts that I saw. And I went to the Maple Leaf and saw his band and it was like, you know, goosebumps. Like holy shit, what am I watching? I can't believe this is in this tiny little like dive bar and the music was so powerful. It's like, Sort of watching like maybe Ray Charles and his orchestra in a tiny club. You're just kind of your mind. You know, I was blown away. So I've always just been blown away by Walter and the fact that he's, he's you know he's such a, he's a treasure here, but like you said, somewhat obscure around the country. You know, right? Um, so I've always, for me, it was what he was one of the first artists that I fell in love with in New Orleans. You know, so to me, it's, that kind of makes him like my New Orleans. You know, the sure. thing that. Just, made me stay here and part of the whole, a huge part of that equation. But um, fast forward to just to one session that his manager hired me to do, um, and I don't even recall why it was, but uh, you guys know Adam Shipley? Yeah. Adam Shipley's his manager, and Adam Shipley hired me to do one song that he said was going to be acoustic, and that instantly perked my attention, because I've never heard Walter play an acoustic guitar solo. I've heard him do some solo things. He does it at Dos Jefes and other places around town, but um, <clears throat> the solo guitar and Walter, um, super intriguing. And when we got the studio, we did it, which is actually the first song on the record called Lost Mind. Um, and, and when I kind of heard him do it, it really reminded me of this Muddy Waters album. That's my favorite Muddy's, Muddy Waters album. It's, it's called F- um, Folk Singer. And it's mostly solo and a lot of like acoustic stuff with this mm. like incredible amount of space in it. Uh, and you hear like a lot of natural reverb and it literally sounds like muddy and like a big sort of almost warehousey space playing solo guitar and you hear his breath, you hear every like every time a slide hits the guitar, you hear that rumble and just all those little weird things. It's a very like intense record and I was hearing that kind of in Walter's thing and then his singing, was um, <clears throat> very much like a like a baritone, you know? Right, right. Which i I'd always, you know, I've heard him sing on a lot of stuff, but just in that context, man, it was just, it was so beautiful and really intense and powerful, and the song that we were doing, I kept like kind of trying to get him to play it slower and fill in less space, and the more he did that, the more powerful it became, really. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yes. really, really used to being a guitar player, so right. he's going to be right. playing this rhythm right. and fill in all that space. And I was like really trying to push him a little bit. I even played him some of the, the Muddy Waters record, you know, and we talked about this thing. And sure. really trying to get him to not just fill in all the space with his guitar and the focus on his voice. And and so that just became, it became it was so amazing. It was like, shit, we have to do a whole fucking record can, like Can I
0: just <laughs> tell you how much I appreciate that? Because I've always thought... Um, at his shows, just leaning in. Walter doesn't have a voice that projects as well as other singers a lot of times, but I always felt like he had one of the really great voices in New Orleans uh, for Rhythm & Blues, and, and in his records, it never really got captured. And then I heard the cut, and I was like, finally, that voice is out front where oh, people man, can yeah. hear the depth and the richness and the tonality there that's amazing. What you get here three times a week. What's that? Which is what you get here three times oh, yeah. a week. Yeah. From yeah. Right. On, yeah. on his regular gig. Exactly.
2: It's, right. I think that his vocal style is actually really unique and it represents uh, a generation of musicians that unfortunately really aren't with us anymore, you know? Sure. And a lot of people who you remember from New Orleans, you know, these, these people who were around at the birth of fucking rock and roll. That's you, right. You know, yeah. and and yeah. Uh, and at least my time here in the early '90s, like there were so many of those people accessible. It felt like you know that it was kind of mind blowing that you're like you could go to a bar and hear somebody play, and then hang out, and then give them a ride home, and then you know like learn all this stuff. And right, all these people, right. you know, and Walter, he really like I think his vocal style uh, it comes from that generation, and it's and it's and it's unique and singular. It can't be taught, and it's going to be lost. I think, personally, that that kind of shit is like, it's just, it's, it's, it's from his whole history, you know, it's, I, I just feel like people come in, come in now, new generations, they're just going to be emulating that kind of thing more and more, and it's going to be further and further from the source, and to me, he is the source.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not the genuine article. Yeah, yeah, it's a facsimile yeah. in some way. And
2: it's going to be more and more diluted. Yeah, you know, as yeah. the generations yeah. go. You know? Yeah,
0: I, I I subscribe to that as well. I yeah. think that's where where it's going. And where there's it, a lot.
2: And, and he's and he's got like and in the process of making the record, we just learned. I learned a lot about his his voice and how his different ranges and whether he's singing from his diaphragm or his throat. You know, right? Uh, whether it's sort of like a head voice or. Of something coming from your toes, you know, whether he's like whispering it or just like belting it and he Mm -hmm. he really he just did all of it and he did it all really amazing, you know. But it was it was fun because the process really every song that we did the process became a little bit of me just trying, trying to get him to stop focusing on the guitar, which is kind of a weird thing in itself, and it made me feel (laughs) kind of fucked up, you know, but but it was, you know, he's made a lot of guitar albums, and there's a decent amount of guitar on this record, but um, but there was like, after the first song, at least for me, I, I, there was like a concept, I was like, man, this is a concept that I really want in a record, which I look for in records a lot, um, like a consistent concept of like that particular vibe let's just say you know like for, for the Walter record to me it was gonna be ballads it was gonna be really down-tempo really spacious really intimate and really beautiful because that's I think the way he he really everything came out and when he started singing and playing so but I wanted me personally he, and he luckily he was on board I really wanted to make a record from the beginning to end that was that vibe and there's really only like one maybe two things that sort of snuck on there that have a little bit of swing Mm-hmm. Are a little bit funky, you know, but even right. though right. are really slow, <laughs> right. right? you right. know, because yeah. I, I look for albums sometimes like, and like, um, for particular moods. If I just want that like beautiful jazz ballad thing, I might go to like Coltrane ballads or right. a Johnny, a Johnny Hartman record, which is actually an inspiration for this record. You know, we do a song, a Johnny Hartman song. I just drop by to say hello, which mm-hmm. is the cover toast in the um, title track of one of his records. And he sounds a hell of a lot like Johnny Hartman too on it, you know, but beginning to end just that,
0: like that vibe, you
2: know? Right.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so talk about a little bit about how, uh, because I'm (coughs) noticing that it's like all over Facebook and all over social media right now. And maybe that's just me. But he's signed on to a record label, and they're pushing it. Yeah. And uh, I ran into him recently, <laughs> and uh, at Pal's Lounge, and I, and I was like, "I was like, hey, Walter, look, I, you don't know me, you know, <laughs> even though you were on the podcast last he year, he was, I'm and <laughs> <not>. <laughs> but but we don't really know each other. But I'm like, I think you're gonna have a hit on your hand. Oh, just because okay. for me, I'm I'm like, yeah, this is the most anticipated record for myself." Uh, well, that's, it's what I've been waiting for, you know. Ever since I don't know, we ran into you, and I think at Bonnaroo maybe or something. We talked about it briefly. I, I think that's how right? we first found out about it. I don't know if it's Bonnaroo because you know? I haven't been there in a while. Or well, maybe it wasn't maybe it, it was something else. Somewhere, yeah. somehow, we heard about it, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, oh my god, that's gonna be great,
2: dude. It was, um, it was a passion project. It was in the very beginning um, when we started making the songs. It was. Um, you know I was paying for a lot of the stuff the studio some of the musicians and Shipley was kinda putting some money in and we were just paying out of our pocket making the record and to me I was um, I was just convinced that no matter what um, even if I didn't make my money back I didn't give a shit you know because it was fucking Walter and it was such an awesome project but I didn't really believe that was going to happen I just believed at the very least this would be on maybe a local he could have his own little imprint, put it out on himself. It could be on Mardi Gras records. I Mm -hmm. was like, man, just when we were making, I was like, if Rounder doesn't want this, if Alligator doesn't want this, if, and I was just going down my list, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just convinced that, man, this will survive. And, you know, the money I'm putting up now is gonna come back. And, um, but really my ultimate label that I thought would be great for him was Anti, which is the label he ended up on. And it was a label that Galactic was on, but they also have, um, which helped because I knew the guy, I had a a phone number. You know, somebody would take my call. Sure. Um, And I'll I'll swing back to that whole story, but, um, but Anti's got, it's like a it's like a really killer artistic label. It's not like they don't have a lot of money, and it's not like this like huge deal like your own on Universal or whatever Concord, you know. But it's like they have Tom Waits and Wilco and Mavis Staples, and they put out that Solomon Burke record, and they're like a real artist label, you know. And they really get the artistic thing, and um, and when I sent it to the to the dude the head dude there Andy he um, he didn't. I don't know if he really knew who Walter was, but he heard the record and he got it. You know, like right he away got he it. got right. it. Right, and then he probably did his own research and was like, "Holy shit, this is the real fucking shit, thing." And this is it, why man. we're a label, and this is the kind of things we like as a label. And he got it, and, um, and yeah, and he signed him. You know, and he's super excited about it. You know. So So, for me, I'd ended up on my dream label, you know, out of all that stuff. I didn't, you know, it was funny because, like I said, like Rounder turned it down, Alligator, and for whatever reason, not because I don't like Walter, but maybe it was a timing thing or, sure, and, you know, no money was ever talked about, any of that. But in the end, it was a great label, and Walter made some money, and everyone made their money back. And no one got rich, but no one lost money, and he's got this team behind him now of people who get it, really, really get it, and they want to sell it. And even Anti, they're the kind of label who, like, you know, they don't ex- really expect to make money off it, and even though I think maybe they will, or hopefully they will, but mm. um, they, it's like, for them, they just, it's kind of their legacy thing. They're like, this is That's the true. kind of shit they want to put out, you know, which is why I like the label, and they care, and so uh, I couldn't be happier with like where it ended. And I tried to explain it to Walter, he doesn't really, you know, he's like, yeah, whatever. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> and then how does that yeah. process go, yeah. I mean, when I'm listening to <laughs> you talk, there's
1: a few things. One is, you say, goosebumps right yeah that he evokes he just does yeah when you when you listen to this guy play music it makes grown men
2: cry i i cry. Well, my just, wife will make fun of me because if i put does. on a song I, I was like walter was crying during the making of some of it you know some really? of the songs he was singing there was uh-huh. one in particular and he was crying at the end of the take i went in there in like full tears like you know doesn't get more i have seen like grown men yeah. cry
1: yeah. at walter <laughs> watching shows over the course of 20 years in yeah. and yeah and it's awesome the second thing is the problem. You know, why is it that Walter gets paid in the summertime in Europe, but doesn't get paid here? I mean, I assume yeah. when you say there's a problem, that that is along the lines of what you're talking about.
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, he just got back from a blues festival in India where he was like, they just love him, you know. And here, like, what is he's playing tonight at? DBA or Dos Fades or somewhere, you know, for like forty people. bucks or whatever. Yeah, it is. exactly. <laughs> it just it's it's a classic story, you know. Right. But I, hopefully this album will help him like at least get this like other audience, you know. And I always yeah, thought in the right. middle of making it, I was like, at the very least, like even if he doesn't. Like, really learn all these songs and go out and play them. Because, I mean, some of the songs are, are like duo. Most of them are duo and trio. That Irma song is like the thickest, fullest band song on the record. Right. Everything. Like, there's one song that's okay. literally just him and James Singleton, you know, bass and voice. And that's yeah. it. Yes. Wow. You know, Mike D uh-huh. plays little subtle vibes that you can barely uh-huh. tell. But, you know, that was like, you know, another song. The other stuff is like just him and Ivan. There's another song, just him and Cleary, you know, so. Uh, you know, I, I always felt like there was there was ways this could certainly translate into what he does with the Roadmasters, you know, and so it's it's just like uh, I'm not sure if he, how much of it he's going to adopt, you know, but I think that at the very least it's going to expose you know his singing, his guitar playing to hopefully another audience that's maybe a little outside, even the blues audience. You know, and and it's interesting to me too because these days, dealing with a record label, like the record label is kind of super pumped on trying to get him on a Spotify playlist. That was kind of like new to me. Like that's you know, it's like not radio, but if he could get on some sort of. You know, I hate right. to say it, and I don't want to see them on like a dinner jazz playlist. But sure. whatever, yeah. that's kind of what they're, you know, they're hoping, and then that will spark
0: like, well, what's this? Sure. You know, right, right, sure. I think, look, I mean, despite any any of that, and I hope all of those things happen. Um, I think you may be standing at the cusp of a, a classic New Orleans record you know, that that, that. that stands the test of time. The early indicators are all there. (laughs) I, I,
2: you (laughs) know, I mean, it is to me already, you know, I mean, even just being a fly on the wall and just, you know, I mean, it's all Walter. I'm not taking really the credit for it, but he, uh, I believe it is a classic already, you know, to me, I hear it and it's just, um, you know,
1: I'll say this, man, I called my mom like three hours ago. I was like, I'm nervous about the podcast Uh, today. For the first time, right, right, right. I've never been nervous to do this podcast, (laughs) and that's how important I I think this album is. You know what I mean? I know (laughs) we do. Still, I'm like, I'm the local jackass, you know, and you have some important things to say, and so I I get nervous. That's all.
2: You know, I hit record. It's (laughs) in the right place at the right time. Word.
0: (laughs) Um, I I just. For me, um, there, there's just a few records that come out. I mean, obviously, uh, "Save the Bones," you know, is is one that comes to mind, like yeah. right off the bat. You know, I, I just feel like it's such a it, it was such a right call, you know. And and um, oh, what was the guy who who produced "Save the Bones"? I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, comes from the Concrete Family, uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, it it just was like so obvious, you know, that. Danny Barker should sit down and make that record at some point, you know, and it was so clear that when it was released that it would be an instant classic, and when this idea, when it came out that Walter was going to do this, it's like, that's just, that's great, you know, it it feels like something that should have happened a long time ago, is kind of what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, well, I'm glad it did now, and I'm glad, I'm so honored just to be a part of it, and to, like, have been there, and to, like, have Walter trust me in any ways and forms you know to like sure take suggestions it's pretty amazing you know he was I mean, he was really involved you know but like you know I brought a bunch of songs in and you know he'd listen and, Oh, oh, oh and I could tell which one he got excited over you know Oh, cool let's try that you know so it was like it was it was nice that he let me in and I'm grateful to him and his band <clears throat> the Roadmasters who you know uh, I wish there was somewhere that I could have like included them on this because they're such a part of him, sure. his whole story, totally. you know. Um, but it was like this record really was one of those things of like having less stuff, you right, know. Right. Sure. The agenda. Kind of what I right. love.
1: What I love about something I read that he, that, that Walter said about the album, <clears throat> and then I think the gambit. He's um, like, I was nervous to play with these cats, you know, yeah. and so I took a swig of Jack Daniels to to make myself comfortable. I'm yeah. oh like, God right. damn, I love that <laughs> <laughs> guy. But it was, which yes. I read that and it was
2: interesting to me because, I mean, I think the day he was talking about, well, obviously, maybe Irma, that was the day that Irma came in and we had a whole band. That was one of the few days, excuse me, that we had a whole band and that was Tork and Stanton and James, who right. really, he had, he knows all those cats, you know. Sure. Totally, you know. So why would he be nervous? I don't know, you know. Why would yeah? Why would somebody as amazing as him get nervous at all of playing any kind of music? But he does, When he started playing, you know what I mean. It he's was, yeah, he's there, man. It's good, he's there. Yeah. He's a pro.
1: What kind of producing did you do before this? Because as I recall, um, and this is a completely latent understanding if latent, even the right word of your producer sort of career. And as I recall, you were getting into, like, some loop stuff, some some electronic music, some hip-hop, et cetera. That happened. Um, that happened. I mean, I don't even know where I'm going with that, except... <laughs> well,
2: Gypsy Phonic Disco was my... I had this little side project okay. thing that was, for me at least, that was where I was focusing that that energy. Yeah. The loops and, you know, yeah. Tools music.
1: That's when it came to my yeah. mind. People were like, do <laughs> People like Jerry's Jeremy Smith uh, are yeah. like, dude, this guy's got something rocking right
2: now. <laughs> it was bounce uh, mixed attention. with hip hop. I mean, b- yeah. I'm sorry, bounce mixed with like Eastern European gypsy music. Yes, right. Yeah. right, right. You yeah know? so yeah, right. I was taking some of that like um, Balkan music and some of the brass band music and yeah, um, and the whole klezmer thing, of course. You know, of course, mixed with bounce. It was one of those. Listening to Q ninety three and hearing those mashups and going, you know, sure.
1: what's that movie this, set in Czechoslovakia in World War two? I want to say
2: that's oh so, underground. Yes. Yeah. God damn. It. Yeah. Thank you. Man. Amazing. Yeah. Exactly. That stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, love that stuff. Yeah.
1: That's the most infectious movie yeah. soundtrack I've ever heard. Yeah. And it's set in a basement. Yeah. And you know, while yeah. the town is getting shelled, literally. Yeah. You know, um, but the music is so uplifting. It's, yeah. like Jeremy. It's, it's a like, Serbian brass huh. band Speaking of huh. Jeremy Smith went,
2: Jeremy Smith went to Serbia And I think he saw that band you know? Really? Yeah. Wow Yeah, of them: Goran, Markovic Yeah, It's, I, it's one of my favorite movies Folks, yeah. look that one up
0: Underground. Underground. Underground
2: and um, yeah. uh, What's the other one called? Um, there's another one he made I'm just basing on the name Of his other movie Was it the one that got super weird With like The
1: people eating each other?
2: No, I don't think so. I am going to remember in just. A <laughs> I might second. be
1: complaining Czechoslovakia directors <laughs> or whatever. Maybe they're from, but
0: and, and what about what about in the present? What's going on, other than other than the Walter project?
2: Um, <clears throat> well, uh, fin- well today I spent all day with Stanton Moore recording drums for um for a Galactic Record, which we're kind of finishing up. Uh, me and Rob Macurio yep. do all the Galactic records. And we have for the last like five or something so like these guys that. are like co-producers or whatever. Yep, yep. Um, uh, just finished an album that that just came out with Chawa. I don't know if you know the Chawa. It's mm-hmm. a uh, local band, and they have sure. an album coming out. I did that one. I haven't Chris, really been Chris taking the. Chris Jones. Line of
0: jobs. Chris Jones is no, not more. Chris Jones. That's not Joe Chris Gelini. Jones. George, okay. Sregilini. Right, right, right. Chris Jones. I always is the get I get people drivers. mixed up. That's uh, the one on one. Yeah, I'm sorry.
2: I will say Chawa um, I don't
0: get to the other side of Canal Street <laughs> that often. Yeah, you know that honestly, I'm a yeah. downtown guy. <laughs>
2: <man>. <laughs> um, Chawa though has Juan Boudreau, who is Monk Boudreau's grandson. Ah. Wow. And he has been uh, in the making to be a chief since he was probably three years old. He's been masking, right, right. and um, and he's just super incredible. Uh, he's like the next generation, he's the next Bo, he's the next, uh, Monk, and he, he takes it really seriously, and he's an incredible singer, and he's been taking like vocal lessons, and, and he just, he's taking the shit extremely seriously right now. And, uh, Chawa, he's kind of the main dude in Chawa now, and, yeah. uh, and so it was really fun to see the next generation, uh, you know, and there's a bunch of Indian, a bunch of dudes who mask, um. In the band, so it was really amazing to be around, and we brought Monk into that for to do a version of Indian Red. So it was Juan, it was grandson and grandfather Jeez. singing together. You oh, know? that's great! And it was yeah, that felt super special, and that made it on the record. And Monk, I think, I don't know how much he had heard Juan progress as a singer. So like you know, he came in, you really saw like grandfather master Indian singer you know like appreciating his grandson like he was like really blown away i think by like what he was checking out you know cool so that that was a cool thing to be. that's optimistic yeah
1: that's more optimistic than we started out talking about it there's another
2: generation there's another generation yeah yeah there is Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i i feel like that conversation could go a lot of different ways you know because i i i think it's a very site specific kind of thing if if that's a way of describing it in terms of like what might be going away and what's sticking around and carrying on to the next generation you know so like i feel like the the indian thing is like very strong and vibrant right now you know i mean the the three super sundays and the kind of publicity that they get and everything and like crossing over generations and whatnot i feel like it was kind of it was a little touch and go there after Katrina for a while, but it's really come roaring back. Second line culture uh, we've talked about is like as strong as ever, um, but I do feel like uh, like New Orleans singing traditions are in trouble right yep. now, you know. And uh, specifically talking about people and vocal stylings, and like where is that going, and who is the next yeah. really good singer? Coming out of New Orleans, you know, that's in like maybe a, even if it's like a modern rhythm and blues idiom or yeah. something like that, um, it's it's hard for me to say. I can't I can't place really anybody yeah. in that in that gro- in that groove right now. Yeah. You know, just off the top of my head, I don't know. Maybe maybe you have. <laughs> It's a, a lot to me. put on somebody. I don't know. It's like, a lot there's, great, there's a lot well, of great singers. There are know. a lot of great singers. I mean,
2: I, yeah. I love seeing just you know to reinstate that. I love seeing. That's why I love that the Chawa thing because I love seeing Juan carrying on the tradition. You know, that's like it was super encouraging. Sure. And, and I did the album that they had made a few years back. So this was my second Chawa record working with Joe and his band. And Juan was a few years younger and nowhere near as good as he is now. So between those Mm. three years, Mm -hmm. like, he had been taking vocal lessons and, like, like really fucking serious. That's great. And so just to hear him, it was, like, it was really, really awesome because he was just, he was firing on all cylinders already, you know? Sweet. Yeah. And, like, born to do it, you know? Like, when you watch somebody do something that's just so natural and kind of unique, you know, yeah, you're just like, yeah, this is... This is your calling man you know sure. and you're, it's, it's on yeah
1: uh dude the last time i think i ran into you was that kid koala show about a year ago awesome show at the cac speaking so of cool. someone who's ingrained to do something special yeah and shout out to to brian newman and their whole cast and crew that was one of the more phenomenal visual things i've ever
2: seen yeah it was incredible
1: from an audio and visual good. perspective yeah totally
2: know. unique experience
1: they totally, yeah. And just technically, yeah. from, the, from a technology perspective, was just off the charts. It's hard to do. In like, terms of what they were trying to pull off with yeah. cameras and puppetry. Yeah, exactly. And the timing. The timing. And the timing.
0: Insane. insane, insanely yeah. good timing. Yeah. Comic timing and everything. Totally. You know, we're talking about the little robot going. It's walking forward, right. and then it goes in reverse. Exactly, and it's got the timing of that ro- thing that they were rotating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. got to be spot that on. That set piece was. That set rotating. piece, right? Exactly. Yeah, and if it's not, the joke doesn't happen. No, they did know?
2: something unique in like puppetry, theater, music. Yes, even like live cinematography. Yes, exactly. exactly. you know, totally. like all of those things. Totally. You're like, God yeah. damn you which to me the <laughs> latter and I don't know which is more impressive
1: <laughs> yeah. the music or the the live video yeah like it was both incredible
2: Ooh. yeah man. and they, they brought
1: know. in people and I'll tell you from like a backstage perspective I think that shit happens A because they're Canadians <laughs> games, yeah. cooler, smarter, <laughs> smarter, smarter, yeah. and kinder, yeah. and warmer, yeah. and gentler. Yeah. You know, but I just feel like all those characteristics allow you to pull something off like that. Yeah, those personal sort of characteristics that are on top of your art. and arts funding and arts, and arts funding. funding. <laughs> yeah. let's, not right. <laughs> let's not forget about that. Forget about arts right. funding. <laughs> yeah, money That's doesn't right. make the world go round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: absolutely. <laughs> So uh, if we could rewind a little bit, mm-hmm. um, can you just give we always like to get a little bit of background on our guests. I'm sure you get asked about this a lot. Yeah. But um, So what, what initially brought you to New Orleans in 1989?
2: Um, interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, I was living in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, I'm from Los Angeles, and I moved to Santa Cruz, California. And uh, one of my best friends from Los Angeles was Jonathan Freilich who everybody knows sure, yeah. in this room. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, and he had moved to Santa Cruz a year before me and then I followed right. him and then we just slummed around and smoked weed and played music and I did a radio show and it's like kind of where I, I didn't start playing saxophone until Santa Cruz huh. um, okay and uh, I've been playing harmonica a little bit so just playing music and smoking weed and listening to jazz and kind of, it was our was our mo out there uh-huh. and then 88 87 uh, moved out there probably in 87 87 and then in 89 uh, the Loma Prieta earthquake. I don't know if you remember the Loma Prieta earthquake, uh, but it was in 89. It was when the Bay Bridge collapsed on top of itself during the World Series. Totally. Totally. Al Michaels classic. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
2: that was 20 miles. The epicenter was 20 miles from Santa Cruz, which actually kind of flattened Santa Cruz. Not flattened it, but um, the whole downtown area was structurally damaged and, and got like cordoned off. And... And we were out of power. We didn't have any power for like two weeks. So right, it right. was like in Santa Cruz. It was pretty devastating. It was my first natural disaster, really. I mean, I grew up in L.A. and I had some earthquakes, but um, but because of that, FEMA had just started, and me and Jonathan each got, I believe, is a thousand bucks from FEMA. Because everyone who lived in Santa Cruz got some money, you know? It was just one of those, it was one of the I hustles. have a feeling
0: maybe this is a recurring theme in your life. So we take the $1,000. What did you get from the
2: BP oil spill? You, you had nothing to name. Uh, <laughs> We take the money, we, we make a road trip. You know? It's a summer road trip, really. and uh, Which is its own story in itself, but... Uh, but you know the, the, the short end of it is we we uh, had a place to stay in New Orleans with a family, one of my father's friends, whose daughter had just left off for college. So it was an empty nester, who was very sad and lonely in her house. And uh-huh. then you know these two California boys show up, and uh, she was so happy to have us, and that just turned into a forever thing, sort of. Wow, <laughs> you know, like we That's just kind of Jonathan stayed, I left for a little bit, and then I came back. And
0: okay, okay, so tell me about this. You get you wind up in a band that's basically made up of uh, some dudes from Metairie, right? Lump. Yeah. Or, lump.
2: Or okay, because right. Stanton's from
0: from Metairie. Well, I know I've known so, Stanton okay, since yeah, yeah. he was like fourteen. But yeah. uh, so I mean, how how did that happen?
2: It was before that. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to take you back. Actually, I assume
0: this was before you knew Stanton, right? Yes. Or, yes.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> well, what happened was uh, when I had left. Uh, we had hung out in New Orleans for about six months post earthquake, Santa Cruz earthquake. We had, not six months, I, I take that back, a few months. I was here for a few months and uh, i had one of those sort of i gotta get my life together what am i doing i had only been playing saxophone about a year or so and um and i leave to um to take this job that i got through nepotism which was actually lighting design so it was like concert lighting And i have a cousin who's a big-time lighting guy okay and so he got me right. a job and i left to go train in la I left jonathan in new orleans and uh and I got sent off to do a Whitney Houston tour, the I'm Your Baby Tonight tour okay. as assistant electrician. Right now. Assistant uh, electrician through okay. this nepotism job of nepotism and such, you know. So I go right.
0: <laughs> I appreciate your candor. <laughs> this, this is coming around. This is coming around, ben trust Elliman. me. Okay. I love it. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: so uh, I'm I'm at the Whitney Houston I'm your baby tonight tour rehearsals, which is in an abandoned amphitheater in Florida, Jonathan Freilich is still here staying with my father's friend. And during that time, Jonathan Freilich had hooked up with Kermit Ruffin's jam session, which was at the Little People's Place. This is when Kermit Ruffin's yes. was still in The Rebirth. Sure. Right, right. And he started a jam session, a Monday night jam session at the Little People's Place. And his house band was Davis Rogan, a guy named Arthur Castler on bass, if you remember Arthur Kassler. Yes. Um, This guy, Doug, who played baritone, who was later in All That, which was another Davis Rogan band. And Jonathan uh, on guitar. He kind of became like he went to a few of the the weekly jam sessions, then Kermit kind of put him in part of the band. Yes. So Whitney Houston rehearsals finish. I'm about to go on a year-long tour. They say, where do you want to go? We have two or three weeks, I forget what it was, to um, between the rehearsals and the tour. And they said, where do you want to go? And I was like, I want to go back to New Orleans, man. I didn't really have a home at that point. I want to go back to New Orleans. I go back to New Orleans, and um, and one of the weeks I'm back, John's like, come to this jam session, so bring your horn. And I uh, had been practicing that whole time. Kirk Whalem, saxophone player with, with Whitney Houston at the time, was sort of mentoring me a little bit, which was kind of awesome because he'd hear me practicing, you know. And he was really encouraging, so the whole time he was sort of like, yeah, fuck it, play music, play music, because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sad, I left my friend in New Orleans, and here I have a job. He's like, fuck it, you know. Right. And right. so right. I get back to New Orleans with a t- <laughs> like three-week break. Jonathan takes yes. me to the jam session at Little People's Place. I sit in, I meet Corey Henry. Yeah. Corey okay. Henry asks yes. me, hey, I need a saxophone player for this gig we got coming up, the Little Rascals Brass Band. Do you want to do it? And I did it, and it was Awesome, And I was, my mind was blown. And they're like, well, we got more gigs. We got more gigs. We got more gigs. And essentially it was like, you want to be in the band. Like I did like those two, three weeks. I just played all these gigs with the Little Rascals, which was like straight up right place, right time. Corey Henry just being a visionary had no problem integrating his band i'm the oldest i'm the only white guy you know right right a nine-year-old trumpet player you right. know and he, me you know and i'm like I'm the jew from l.a you know, right, know. Right. only been playing saxophone a year so
0: yeah how the fuck did that i work? know
2: exactly so
1: i was well, think... tolerance folks I, important, i'm sorry also I'm
0: you came a long way in a very short period of time right i mean really kudos to you because like most people Terms of uh, th- yeah. Most people don't get good on an on an instrument, wow. you know, without the benefit of that adolescent experience. Yeah, I mean, I so. yeah, did you have right. a piano no, no, or anything totally like
2: self-taught? That? Totally I'm self-taught. Totally self-taught. That's and amazing. Just jumped, man. And to me, good like my education was the Little Rascals Brass Band. I mean, the end of that story is I fucking quit Whitney Houston and I <laughs> stayed in New Orleans, you know? Right. And I took the job with the little rascals. It was like the fork in the road was right, like there, right. you know, and, you know. A just, phrase uh, that will never, ever be uttered again. Okay, so transitioning from, the from the there. No, I quit Whitney Houston and stayed
1: in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's it. Actually, you know, I'll say that. that I, since I got that job through nepotism, I was, like, completely underqualified for the job that I was doing. And I was, like, the dead weight. Like, when I called the company to be like, I want to stay in New Orleans, they're like, fucking thank God. Right. You know, they were so right. happy because they were right. you know, they were doing they were like, somebody a favor get, to exactly. hire me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everybody was happy. You so know?
1: self-awareness right. and candor. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> I, know job for everyone. I know this is a big story, but take us from there to Lump to Galactic. So,
2: uh, yeah, just, but I essentially, um, <clears throat> essentially did the Little Rascals thing for a bunch of time, and then Jonathan Fralick... Uh, and um, met Glenn Hartman and Ben Shank and sort of started this Monday Night Jam session or, or a Tuesday maybe, I can't remember what day it was at the old Caldy's Coffee House on Decatur I remember that, uh-huh, uh-huh. which was an awesome place and they used yes. to have music Yes. Uh, and it was called Ben and the Boys and Jonathan <laughs> at that point being Ben Shank, not Ben Ellen. Ben no, Shank
0: That's such a Ben Shank name that It is, yeah, totally
2: <laughs> yeah. and they just interjected a few of these Klezmer songs from um, this uh, Klezmerum record, a band out of San Francisco that that Jonathan had been carrying around, and that Ben Shank was hip to, and oh, you like this one? And then let's learn a couple. And they played a couple, and that band eventually, um, and then I kind of came in, and the violin player Rick Perlis came in, and and that band eventually turned into the New Orleans Klezmer All Stars, and um, it was through the New Orleans Klezmer All Stars eventually uh, our first drummer was Willie Green from the Neville Brothers, right. Uh, and and when Willie couldn't do gigs, right. we needed another drummer. And that is what we put out an ad in the paper and met Stan Moore. Get the-
0: Okay. <laughs> An right. ad in the paper. Right. Yeah. Who was probably at the time at Loyola or something, yeah, right? Yeah, he was.
2: And he right. was in it. He was doing, I think this is post oxen Thrust. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, band. yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Scott Guyon. Yeah. 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 That's right.
2: So he had come out of this thing and he was just looking to do gigs. He was actually, I think at the time... I go, was, I go
0: all the way back to the Captain Meadhead talk. days. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh. But he... Oops, sorry. That's all right.
2: He, uh, he was doing a band. He was doing a thing with a band. Maybe it was called Entourage. Does that make sense? It was like some society smooth jazz gig.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was, I'm sure. It
2: was totally weird. <laughs> right. uh, but he became our drummer. And, and that just, of course, led to at the time when, you know, then I ended up, I was doing Klezmers and Lump and some of the little rascals at but the same how, time. But how'd
0: you meet Lou and AP and those guys? You must have had, I mean, because you're hanging out with know, Jonathan. What? Yeah, I don't and, and you must have really. had some kind of punk rock wild hair up your ass right I mean yeah. to do more experimental kind of music I don't or really
2: remember where I met Lou but I think Lou saw me and thought um, saxophone jazz that's kind of let's try this you know sure. right. maybe AP right. saw me playing with Klezmers or maybe it was all that because all that was in the mix at some point too right, right. you know my okay. time that I spent with Kermit and and um, and da- you know led me to Davis and, and then Davis's other bands I kind of shuffled into that a little bit. So I can't really remember how it happened, but I think maybe it was, I don't know if it was Lou Lou or AP, but um, I do remember, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be in the band and they gave me a cassette tape and then I was like, I'm going to try to sit down with some of this music. And it was like, kind of blew my mind. Because I was really into it. I came playing saxophone from like the sort of free jazz thing that I loved. Right. You know, with this sure. sort of arrogance of, oh, I could do that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> really yeah. Stupid. But, uh, so I had a love of at least like that sort of, and I was I used to love punk rock music. And so it reminded me of the energy, you know. So I loved a lot of that sort of like aacm music the art ensemble and, and, and you know and right. the whole 60s scene and, uh, before i started playing saxophone that's what i really liked so um you know when me and lou and we all got together and i started listening to their music i was like it was very john zorn-esque and i liked right, his stuff in sure. masada that he was yeah. doing so huh. Um, once I, I dug in I was like holy shit this is right and, and they didn't and they weren't like like at that time too man you, you remember it was like there was the the fucking jazz Nazi in New Orleans jazz Nazis in New Orleans like the Young Lions were like a thing yeah true. that's dudes right dudes in suits and you yeah, know yeah. and then there was like coming re- out of the UNO jazz and then, program and then Rob yeah. Cambry came out
1: and said yeah. fuck all you <laughs> yeah, y'all.
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know so you had like the Young Lion thing and then right. like Lou and AP you know sure. just like fuck you you know the way they were playing was and Rob Camry of... has an
1: upcoming show at the Contemporary Art Center. Plu- cool. I'm plugging early.
2: Cool. Uh, coming up
1: uh, for the, the, yeah. the Sounds and Sonic Festival coming up.
0: Yeah, and even called out some of that stuff, you know, with like Del Feo, Shut Up and Play. Yeah. You know, exactly. stuff like right, that Right, yeah. In the lyrics. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so it was right? just which Which always be... felt was like a friendly, I mean, you know. Yeah. Friendly you know like, jab. Yeah, it's a jab, you know, but funny and great. Lou's lyrics are, are great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah,
2: you know, it was it was. I liked being on that side of the line. <laughs> <Sure.
0: laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Right, especially right.
2: being like a self-taught dude, you know. Sure, was of like, course. Had my own issues with my playing. I was like, yeah, fuck you. We're playing punk rock.
0: God, such a kick-ass yeah. band um, yeah. at the time, and it was great. And uh, I know that people kick the can around about this idea of, of a possible reunion or whatnot, but I don't know if it's possible with uh, the passing of Mike and stuff like that, or even if that kind, right. of know, even got, kind of nostalgia is even something anybody... Norco
2: you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Lou yeah. is Lou, you know? Lou is Lou, right, right. And so he'll always just be a unique, you know, really artistic creature right? And he is with a, right. with a different slant, you know? Yeah, yeah. It really does. He exactly. You can see through it, man.
0: Right right and what about Galactic these days like what's uh, what's up in store for <clears throat> Galactic for the fans out there
2: man well we're making another record and we're still here <laughs> right nice I <laughs> can't believe how long this thing's lasted but uh, it's awesome man it's still really fun you know and um, and we get to do it and I guess you know it's Probably for us, we're trying to we're trying to pull back a little. Like we did 200 shows a year for a long time, right? You know, and uh, so now we're now we're at around 80, which is way more doable. You know, we all have kids and families, and you right. know, we're just right. trying to figure out. Sure, want to keep it fun, but but we'll say that um, out of any band I've ever been in, you know, like like we all get along really well. That's good. You know, there's yeah. really no no major drug problems, no fights. no. You know what I mean? We all just like, yeah, I, we're all I, friends. You ben, know?
1: can I say, man, uh, you guys, Galactic, from my point of view, have been the most gracious host in a green room of any <laughs> band that plays any of these festivals. You've enjoyed our beer. beer. I've hung out. You guys, to point, you guys are nice guys. What do you do uh, to the and beer? And you like yeah. each other. And do you remember in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Capri Theater? Like, no. I just stumbled in like in whatever it was, 2019, I don't know what it was. I would met you guys here. I was a visiting family in Charlotte. You guys were playing the Capri Theater. And I just walked in.
2: Was Houseman there?
1: Houseman was
2: there. He loved a backstage hang. It was a good hang. Like there, right was, now, there was tequila. Hang. Yeah, since Houseman, like... there was some uh, marijuana. Yeah. And uh, it was fun. Yeah, I gotta say, he he loved the backstage party, and he made it happen. And it's been it's been lonelier yeah. since he hasn't been in our band in our backstage. Yeah. You know, I sometimes could, we could play a show, be like, you know, for like three thousand people, and it's this thing, and then in it's just out. like it's just yeah. like the five of us watching CNN backstage. <laughs> you know, like it's kind right. of weird. You know? Rachel Maddow. <laughs> yeah, you're like what
1: she got to say. She's smart. Yeah, <laughs> she is. By the way, <laughs> she is. I love, sure. I, love, <laughs> I love Rachel Maddow these days
0: So um, I Gosh I think we've covered all the bases You yeah. know And I know.
2: God I feel just like I sat here and talked about myself For an hour That's, That's what we were, we're going, <laughs> going for That That's was what, yeah, the plan exactly. ben. That was the plan dude. It's our producer
0: I, Spencer ladies and gentlemen When I, went, when I walked it. over I was like Mission accomplished tonight As long I, as none of
1: us talk except Ben I think we're going to make it <laughs> I'm sorry to hog the mic. But Jeff, as always, nice job ushering the conversation through. Um, oh, thanks. Man. You know,
0: I've uh, I've only been practicing for a year. You know, so <laughs> yeah, we I mean, do have some reps, <laughs> you could say. But Ben, man, thank you thank so much. Thank you guys for, guys for having me. I'm happy can can we plug? Obviously, the album's
1: dropping tomorrow officially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, it is. can we plug it? Absolutely. Can we, can you tell me the name of the album and where people oh, can find it? Oh, it's called it and... My
2: Future is My Past. Yep. Walter Wolfman, Washington. Uh, it will be on Spotify. It will be on all of them, I believe. And like it will be on city, vinyl. Spotify, all that stuff. All that stuff. Um, iTunes. There's um, a beautiful sounding vinyl available at places where you could buy vinyl. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the sort of, um, it's not the party record, but it's the sort of after party record. Sure. Right, it's that Miles Davis kind of blue. Yeah, like I'm gonna chill. You want that chill? Yeah, totally. Which is what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna say it's kind of blue, but it's for for that that vibe, for that that mood. When you want that mood, and And this album will not let you down.
0: I'm just gonna cut through and say it's easily one of the most anticipated New Orleans records of the last eight to ten years.
2: Dude, I hope we don't let you down.
0: (laughs) There's no way it's gonna (laughs) let me down. If I, if what I heard so far continues throughout the record i know i'm gonna love it i'm gonna be first in line for sure if you love walter man it's just hard if you love walter. that's, right. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and, right and
1: ben uh you've got upcoming jazz fest shows
2: right with the klezmers, klezmers with, galactic. with galactic and that's it man you yeah know? yeah that's fun taking it easy this this jazz fest no 3 a.m shows for me
1: oh is that right no no more of the late the super late shows I, uh, you know uh, uh, yeah you know, like, right. kind of you know what Fuck I've got a five year old You know what Fuck right Yeah right I, I right. love, yeah. I love, I love yeah. the Superfly boys But that yeah. whole That whole yeah. late late night thing That they started You know Yeah Has Has well, has made me crotchety
0: Yeah well What's when that? you When you You know You get to a certain age And you have kids right. You know and stuff it's Yeah like, when she's
2: 13 ah. I'll be like Really be looking for those 3am right. yeah. shows yeah. <laughs> 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 You know, right
0: now It's a different story That's right That's yeah. right Exactly all right, folks, it's a com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Ben, thanks for coming on. Again, once again, them. Ben Elman from Galactic, uh, previously with Lump from, as a producer, <laughs> and all around uh, music maven here in the city of New Orleans and around the world. And, uh, folks, uh, stay tuned and catch us. uh, I think we're just doing one episode this week. Yep. And then we'll be back again next week with our usual two episodes. And uh, Jazz Fest is uh, right around the corner. And be sure to uh, look out for Walter Wolfman Washington's record, which is dropping tomorrow. And we'll see you next time, folks. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Jules, Tales from New Orleans. Yeah, you're right.